Welcome to An Amber A Day, the podcast all about functional nutrition for PCOS. I'm Amber Fisher, a certified nutrition specialist and licensed dietitian nutritionist, and I have training in functional medicine. I also have PCOS, and on this podcast, we discuss PCOS in depth, the nutrition strategies for it, as well as the realities of living with it and making this lifestyle work. For further guidance and meal plan support, you can check out the show notes for links to my PCOS courses and programs. And if this podcast helps you, please do me a favor and leave me a review. Thank you so much for being here. Let's get into today's episode. You're listening to An Amber A Day, the Functional Nutrition Podcast. And I'm Amber Fisher. Today with me, I have a good friend, Jennifer Torres, who is a beauty counter director. And we're going to talk today all about healthy living, healthy lifestyle, and I guess detoxing your life from chemicals and toxins and all kinds of awful things that we don't even realize are in the products that we're using on a daily basis. So Jennifer, tell me about yourself. Tell me, introduce yourself to our guests here. Hi. My name is Jennifer Torres, and I am a mom. I have four kids, um, ages three, six, eight, almost eight, and um, a stepson of 17 years old, and I cannot believe that. I know, so this is very relevant. Yeah, this is very relevant to us. (laughs) And um, I'm also a beauty counter consultant. I have been with Beauty Counter about three and a half years, and I'm really excited to share more information about safer yeah awesome so tell us a little bit about what beauty counter is for those who don't know and you know this podcast is not about us selling products to you (laughs) no not at all (laughs) not at all however if you would like to buy no i'm just kidding um but you know beauty counter is an amazing company that has done some really important work and so, and Jennifer is the expert on that, so I'm going to tell you. Yeah, that. so Beauty Counter is an education-driven uh, company. Our mission is to get safer products into the hands of everyone. And we, you know, we really follow through with our mission in a, in a couple of different ways. We educate our communities on why it's important to choose safer products and, and how we can live um, cleaner lives, um, reducing our exposure to, to um, harmful ingredients. We also provide a solution and... Um, we advocate in Washington and all over North America for more health protective legislation for everyone. Because at the end of the day, it's not just about people buying beauty counter. It's about moving the market. It's about making safer choices and, and, and uh, being able to have an impact mm-hmm. right now. And we know that not everyone's going to buy beauty counter, but you know, we can definitely um, work to educate people so they are making Absolutely. safer choices. So that's... Uh, one of the reasons that we wanted to get together and talk today because I've known Jen now for, I guess it's been a couple years almost. Yes. Wow. Uh, and she taught me so much about this whole area of um, safer beauty care. And so this is something that I think in the nutrition world, Sometimes we we think about, but a lot of times we kind of put on the back burner because it's kind of a lot to already to think about eating healthy, but then to think about, you know, looking at the back of your shampoo bottle is a whole other story. But as we develop these healthy lifestyles and healthy, active um, patterns in our lives, I think it's important to look at the products that we're using every day because 
you know, you're eating food every day, right? But you're also, as a woman, probably putting on quite a bit of makeup every day, maybe lotions, you're using shampoos, you're using soaps, and all these things we don't realize have a lot of harmful stuff in them usually. And that was very eye-opening to me. I was not, I mean, I knew that there were natural options, but the ones that I had tried were so miserable. They were so <laughs> miserably bad that I was just like, okay, I'm you just You smell like patchouli? Yeah, I'm just using the real stuff here. Um, <laughs> yeah, because as women, we want to feel good. We want to look yeah. good. We want to use products that make us feel good. But we don't ever really think about, oh, could this be harmful? Or you Yeah, know? right. And even when you do, it's like, okay, well you know, is this practical for me? And some of these healthier things just aren't practical. They just like the deodorants, you know, that just don't work. So anyway, so when I met Jen, (laughs) she really opened my eyes and uh, kind of provided me with this option that's safer, but also actually really works. So I was very excited uh, about that. But what I love about her is that she is just a wealth of information about this whole natural living sphere. And that's something that I really don't consider myself an expert in, uh, even though I continue to learn and, and everything. But I feel like she doesn't think she's an expert, but I think she's an expert. So I want her, and I know you'll agree after you listen to this podcast, so I want her to share her inspirations and uh, her knowledge with us. But tell me this, Jennifer. What inspired you to get involved in this whole realm? Yeah, so, um, you know, I started with with Beauty Counter about four years ago, but really, um, you just don't know what you don't know. And when I um, look back, it really started when I was nine years old, if you can believe this or not. But when I was nine, I, um, I started my menstrual cycle early. And I didn't even know what a period was at nine years old. And, you know, at 16, I was diagnosed with polycystic ovarian syndrome. And it wasn't until I, you know, got married and my husband and I are thinking about starting a family and my doctor kind of just gives it to me straight and says, look, you have um, started your period early, so you have a higher risk for breast cancer and ovarian cancer. You have PCOS, so you have a higher risk for cervical cancer. And you may not be able to get pregnant. And at, I mean, I got married pretty young. I was 23. And um, that was a lot to take in. I didn't really understand it. Yeah, it was shocking. And, you know, I think that the worst part about it was I asked, what can I do? Mm -hmm. What can I do to reduce... The, you know, say I get pregnant, you know, what can I do to reduce these risks, of, you know, for my daughter or my son? You know, how do I stop the cycle? How do I not give them what I have and, and uh, give them these same risks? And um, he basically just said, you know, at the time, eat healthy and exercise and there's nothing else you can do. Mm-hmm. And I heard this over and over again as I kept asking um and back then, there wasn't a lot of this information available, mm-hmm. or and if it was, maybe I didn't understand it. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I found out after um, struggling to conceive, we did have a daughter. And um, when I found out that I was having a girl, it really dawned on me. And I swear, it was like a sink. My stomach just sank. Mm-hmm. And um, so I started making smaller changes. And I don't, I'm not really sure how it came about, but we started looking at cleaners, um, cleaning supplies. 
um, you know, when she was born, what she, what I was putting on her, you know, um, getting natural wood um, and, and like the fumes and they talk about mat. We got her like an organic mattress or like a natural mattress that didn't off gas fumes and all of this without really knowing anything, like really blindly, not really understanding the depths of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but it wasn't until I was pregnant with my third child and um, I, in one week we found out that I was pregnant. It was a surprise and I was not very thrilled about it because um, I was thought I was done with the babies. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was done and, and maybe some people don't understand this, but some people will is, um, is that I, I just wasn't very thrilled about being pregnant again. And um, I had two very um, dramatic or complicated pregnancies and it was very risky. So I wasn't very thrilled about it, but then I also started bleeding. And so I was at risk for miscarriage. So I was on bed rest for 12 months and, um, or 12 months, 12 weeks, not 12 months. <laughs> well, 12 weeks. And in that same week, my grandfather was diagnosed with cancer. And so I already knew, okay, we've been eating healthier. We've been eating or I'm trying to like read food labels. I'm eating organic. I have, you know, safer cleaning supplies. My kids are using safer products. And I, I didn't, I, I think it just realized like, I don't even know what I'm putting on my skin. And I started looking it up. Why do I need to avoid parabens? Why do, why is, why should I avoid phthalates? Why do I avoid fragrance? And, and then I realized, Hey, you know what? I'm important too. And, um, and so I started looking for safer products. And like you, I really did struggle with finding that balance of having a safer product, a more natural product that also worked well that I wanted to put on. I had all these deodorants. I had spent all this money on deodorants, yeah. all this money on face creams and things that I just did not like putting on or that yeah. made me stink or that I just didn't enjoy. And I said, okay, there has to be a better option. There has to be a company here in the U.S., making, you know, safer products, you know? Um, and I, I guess I say that because the, I, in this time when I had 12 weeks of literally not doing anything, not being able to get out of bed, I did a lot of research. Mm-hmm. And so I found out that the EU could, had banned like 1,400 ingredients that are linked to human health issues, whereas the U.S. at that time had only banned 11. And so all of these ingredients that are banned because they are linked to hormone disruption and cancer and infertility and asthma and allergies and the list goes on they're still in our products here in the u.s Mm -hmm. and that was very frustrating to me that there wasn't that i hadn't found a company that was doing good that wasn't that was ethical and and kind of working not only for bottom line but also for the health of, of of the people right um so I got introduced to Beauty Counter, and I love the products, but um, I really felt like if I didn't know this, and I had done so much research, and I was trying to live like the healthiest life, like if I didn't know this, I knew there were so many around me that didn't know as well, and so I felt like everyone should know this. Info. I would tell this to everyone. Everyone should know, and if they don't get it now, maybe they'll get it later, and you know, the only thing that I can do is share. Right. And the impact that that could make on their lives or their children or their children's children. And I think that we're just really, I'm really starting to understand the impacts um, today with all these new studies that are coming out, you know, and how important it is to make, to know what's in your products. Exactly. Yeah. You touched on a few things that, um, that I want to talk about. First of all, one of the things you said was, you were recounting your story about when you were diagnosed with PCOS. Well, a lot of my um, 
a lot of the people listening to this probably know that I also have PCOS. So one of the things that Jen and I bonded over in the beginning mm-hmm. was that we're both women with that condition, and that condition is so common. It's the most common gynecological disorder, and it's becoming more and more common. And so one of the frustrations that I had as well, because I was also diagnosed young, um, I wasn't 16, I was 20, I think I was 20 years old or something like that. But I remember when I was diagnosed and I asked the doctor if there was anything that I could do, you know, because when you're diagnosed with something like this, that's a a lifelong chronic illness, Mm -hmm. you, you desperately want some control back. You know, you want to be able to do something that can make some sort of difference. And the answer that I was getting, no matter where I looked, at least from the medical community, was there really isn't anything you can do. And yeah. my doctor even told me, because I asked her, I'm like, is there, can I eat a certain way or is there anything? And she told me that, <laughs> two things she told me. First, that there was nothing I could do nutritionally to help at all, which is completely false and has been proven false in several studies on PCOS. Yeah. Um, it's known to be a condition that interacts with insulin balance, which has everything to do with what you eat. But second of all, she told me that I should eat more packaged foods because they put vitamins in them. What? Yeah, because <laughs> she told you what? She was like, you know, you if you, basically discouraging me from eating like a, a whole a whole foods, foods diet, diet because she's like, well, you know that they they enrich processed foods so really when you eat processed foods that you're getting all your vitamins and minerals and I was like okay hey quick question for you are you someone who wants to be fit healthy and happy and what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG. And we are the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or go search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. Okay. So that was the last time you went to see her, right? Yeah, that that that, uh, that really didn't sit well with me as a future nutritionist. So uh, I started taking matters wow. into my own hands, and I got into this from the perspective of how can I change what I eat? Yeah. And, you know, there is a lot out there. And as the years go on and this condition becomes more and more common, we continue to come up with with nutritional options for women with PCOS, there's no cure for it, but you can vastly improve it and improve your symptoms and, and all of that and improve the odds of you kind of passing that stuff on, you know, Mm -hmm. because these things can be generational as well. But one thing that I find really um, scary is the fact that, you know, a lot, I think a lot of where this comes from is not actually related to nutrition at all, but just related to environment and Mm -hmm. the environment that we live in, in the United States is filled, especially if you've been born since probably the mid seventies, just filled with ever since, well, since world war two. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Basically. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you're, (laughs) if you've been born, if you're a baby boomer or younger, you know, you've been exposed to a lot of things, um, that, you know, they didn't pay a whole lot of attention to its safety. Right. And it's yeah. only now. There are about like eighty thousand chemicals um, in the marketplace, and only 
15 to 20% have been tested for safety in human health. Right. So, And when we say chemicals, too, I know, you know, I've got a lot of friends who are in the science community, and they get really upset at this, no. you know. Yeah, this oh, is not a, there's yeah. chemicals in it, you know. Water's a chemical. everything's a chemical. <laughs> Water's <right>? a chemical. <laughs> everything is a chemical. But there are good ones and bad ones for human health as well. And so when we when we use chemicals as a, as a term like that, we're not saying, you know, we're, we're not doing that out of ignorance. We're yeah, really looking at these. People, too, they have the best intentions. And when and marketers, you know, people can market anything and say, like, oh, it's chemical-free. Well, right. no, it's not chemical-free because yeah. you have water in it. So that doesn't make any sense. Right. You know, and I think that really what the, what the, what the root of it is is they're saying, like, no harmful right. ingredients right. because there are naturally occurring things that are – poison ivy is naturally occurring. But right. you don't want to rub that all over your face. Right, exactly. You know, um, and lead and mercury and, you know, those things are natural, but you don't want them in your products. Right. You know, they have health – effects and so when we say I and I it irks me when people say like oh I have a chemical free home no you don't yeah no one does no No. one does you know we can do the best we can but we are really talking about safety um right the safety of of ingredients in general um whether that be naturally occurring or right and this is important because as the years go on these Issues related to these harmful ingredients become more and more prominent. I mean, we've seen, uh, for example, the obesity rates in the United States have skyrocketed at a rate that can't be explained by our increases in portion size, which are real, or by our increases in consumption of sugar, which are also real as well. So there's nutritional factors going on here, but the rate at which these things have skyrocketed um, can't be explained fully by just that. And a lot of that is because it's these hormone disrupting, these yeah. estrogen mm-hmm. producing toxins that are mm-hmm. in the things that we're consuming. And, you know, and the plastics, the stuff in our water. I mean, there's a lot going on that people don't think about on a regular basis that's contributing or even to how you even how you cook foods in general. Yeah. I mean, like, um, you know, you talked about estrogen... Um, mimicking um, chemicals or ingredients, and and the same thing is happening. There's there are some um, chemicals in the nonstick pans, nonstick uh, pans and pots, and Teflon um, that is actually it acts like testosterone. It mm-hmm. mimics testosterone and it alters the hor- you know um, the way that your your body breaks down breaks down testosterone. testosterone yeah there's been a lot of stuff recently i feel like coming out against non-stick stuff and yeah. you know, it, kind of, it freaks me out because you think about how many years have i been using oh. non-stick uh stuff i mean because it's convenient and it is convenient. and you use and you use less oil right and so that's maybe maybe when people start maybe saw an increase mm-hmm. of when the non-fat diets were right. like in the 90s, in the 90s. right um, I remember we didn't we didn't have to use oil, so we used the yeah. nonstick pan. Spray and, a little Pam. On yes, there that's great too, right? Good. Yeah, <laughs> little propellant one. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So this. <laughs> so um, the new study that w- it was produced, it was published actually by the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology, and that showed that young men exposed to the chemicals that are in the nonstick pots and pans 
um, have a range of problems with their reproductive systems. Right. So they compared male high school students who had been exposed to high levels of the uh, PFOA and the PFOS, which are in the Teflon, um, and to those who had not been exposed. And the ones who had been exposed had shorter penises, lower sperm counts, lower sperm mobility and a reduction of what they call um, anogenital or anogenital distance, which is a measure that scientists use as a marker for reproductive health. So what's what really gets to me about all this, uh, those of you who've read or seen the show Handmaid's Tale. I have not. Okay. So the premise of the Handmaid's Tale is that it's it's a near future, but here in the United States and essentially, women and men can't really reproduce anymore. There's very few people who can reproduce because fertility has just gone shush, has been lost. So the premise is that this kind of ultra-conservative uh, religious group somehow manages to take over, and they turn things into this sort of... I, I don't know what type of government it would be, but anyway, the, the, the religious group are in charge, and they make these women who are still fertile, and there's very few of them, they kind of enslave them and make them into what they call handmaids so that their wives can have children through these handmaids. Anyway, it's pretty crazy to me because the idea that human beings can no longer reproduce is not something that I feel is outside of the realm of possibility if we don't start getting this under control now. Because you look at these infertility conditions and they're becoming more and more common. It's one of the reasons I wanted to focus on that in my practice because um, it's scary and we we have to pay attention to it. So we're not just looking Mm -hmm. at at female infertility now. You know, we're looking at male infertility as well. Mm -hmm. And you can trace some of this back to something as simple as using nonstick products. And then what also scares me too is that big businesses have caught on to that, right? And so they're making and so they're making um, products that are still non-stick, but they don't have Teflon specifically. They have a different non-stick product, right? right? They're just changing the, the chemical right. composition and slightly. It, it, right. It's kind of like the BPA and the BPS yes. um, in food. And, you know, we, we know now, you know, to limit our consumption of canned foods because of BPA being in the lining. Well, now they found a substitute BPS, and the BPS just has the same exact effects as BPA. Right. And so it's like, okay, you're substituting BPS for BPA. It, it, it has the same effects, so... Just don't use canned at all if you can possibly try. Like, frozen food is probably the best option. Right. And so the same thing, you know, with with the... And I have to tell you, I actually have a couple of those pans that you're talking about, and it makes me cringe because they're not the best. They're not the worst. They're not the... They're definitely not the best. Um, There are still things to be concerned about because you don't know the chemical compositions exactly. And so, you know, whenever you are looking for, you know... um, you know, you do. If you're at home right now and you're looking at your cabinet, and you're like, "Oh man, I have all of my stuff is nonstick. Where do I start?" And I think that um, cast iron yeah. is the best. Um, there's also there are also glass pots. My sister has a couple of glass pots that mm. she does her teas um, yeah. and soups in. Mm-hmm. Um, she also doesn't have kids, so maybe that's why because yeah. <laughs> mine would be broken pretty fast. But what um, about um, 
Stainless steel. Stainless steel. Stainless steel, okay. cast iron, and the glass. Those are the best ones. I mean, that's really w- what we should be sticking with. What's I mean, the consensus on, like, um, ceramic? Is it because it's kind of coated? Ceramic with is coated. And yeah. so it's not the best. It's not the worst. The, the pants that I have, they're ceramic coated. But the issue is that once, if you if it gets scratched or something, mm-hmm. then it can start to release it's- formaldehyde or other okay. yeah exactly so you don't want that in your food see I don't even know all this stuff I'm <laughs> yeah so but yeah so, cast you know, iron mm-hmm. and we've been saying that for a long time in the nutrition world cooking cast iron because it you know it leaches out a little bit of iron into your food which is yeah. good for you especially I mean, as that's females what, you know that's what really it really it kind of is going back to the basics mm-hmm. of you know what our grandparents used yeah um and it takes a little bit of the convenience factor out. Maybe right. you add a little bit more oil. Maybe you can talk about the oil part. You right. know, is it bad yeah. to put a little bit more butter in no. there versus, you Okay, know. the thing is when you're cooking with oil too, most of the oil gets left in the pan. So, and we know now that fats are really not an issue. Obviously, if you're on some kind of very strict diet and you have to measure out your fat intake or something, that's different. But you can still... Um, cook very safely and easily in cast iron and really not have that many issues with just like a tablespoon or so of fat. And it's going to, I mean, if you're cooking a whole meal in there for several people, you're getting hardly any of that. I just think we, we've gotten so far, we, we swung so far in the direction of convenience yes. in the United States. Everything was about single use and being yes. convenient, not sticking, all that stuff, uh, microwaving, microwaving, all that, that we... We lost touch with, you know, the old ways that we used to do things, and those were really the healthy ways. Those are the ways that humans kind of have learned to adapt. So we have to sort of swing back in that direction. We can't, it was unsustainable what we were doing. We weren't thinking about the future very much when we started eating, you know, plastic, using plastic forks and straws and all this other stuff. And I am, Definitely not perfect in that. Um, I, have I still a lot use of, my microwave sometimes. Yeah, I like, use a uh, microwave. I mean, I have lofty goals of like not <laughs> using straws, but then you know, I don't know. I, I I get my. I mean, I think that if you can, if we can all just reduce what we're yeah. doing, then it'll have an impact. It's not perfect, and I think that as consumers, we can do what we can do. Um, but this is also a message to companies that they right. have to step it up and they have to be innovative and they have to come up with another plan. Right. Um, well, it's like addicts, right? You have the twelve-step program, and the first step is just awareness. I think right now, as in in the United States, that's what a lot of us are doing. Like in the nutrition world, in the healthy living world, we're raising yeah. awareness right now because people don't know. There are probably a lot of you who are listening to this. This is the first time you've heard this information. So, we're raising awareness. That's the first step. Get as much mm-hmm. information as you can. And then the next step is to start making little changes. You don't have to go crazy and go 100% no waste, mm-hmm. you know? Although, that if you want to, that'd be cool. Let me know. I'd like to interview you on the podcast. <laughs> but, um, you know, we start with little things like, hey, don't use the plastic bags at the grocery store and change or, over your beauty products. And Well, and, the, you know, the American Academy of Pediatrics recently came out and said don't microwave your children's food in plastic yeah exactly and there there's a simple solution to that it's called glass containers. <laughs> yes i know with kids but you know that's another one of those convenience things it's like okay well are we gonna have to be like a little bit more careful because we've got glass around here yes yes so that's the thing yeah. i have i have i have stainless steel i have um cast iron i haven't done the glass thing yet 
for pots and pans, but I do, I did switch over over time, you know, to, I don't have any plastics, um, yeah, like, like Tupperware or Tupperware, anything like that. Yeah. yeah. And they make those, gla- glass. those, the glass ones too, I will say, I mean, I've dropped, I've dropped them before. They're strong. They're yeah. not like that real flimsy glass no, that shatters. Really you can even bake in them. Yeah. Like you can bake in them. You can freeze stuff. I mean, it's really, and they'll last you forever. The ones that I've had, I've had for at least five years yeah i've had them forever too so uh and you know it's not like the uh plastic ones where you can't ever find the lid and you're like (laughs) where did it go i lost it you never lose the glass ones for some reason yeah i guess you take care if you take care of them a little bit more i think same thing with i switched over to um to glass water bottles yeah and a lot of them come with these like neoprene sleeves or silicone sleeves Uh or whatever they and I've dropped them before too and they don't shatter so I I think we're I don't know I feel like we're a little too petrified of things shattering and like we just yeah and it's okay and it's okay if something breaks it's okay like hey when I was a kid (laughs) we broke glass and you know it was was okay I survived so yeah uh we cleaned it up I mean, there is one thing to say about, you know, I get it if you're thinking about, like, bringing out China and stuff. But these yeah, are, sure. you, you can definitely get glass. Duty. Yeah, you can get, even if you're at the grocery store and you are making, yeah, I don't know, say you're buying almond butter or peanut butter. Don't buy the gla- the plastic one. Yeah. Get the glass one and you can reuse it as a jar. We use them as jars all the time. And um, so whenever it's done, I wash it out. I reuse it. It's our drinking glass. And I don't care if that glass breaks on the floor. Right. And there's (laughs) something to be said for that, too, because, you know, traditionally we would have canned our vegetables and things in glass. Right. Right. And now we buy them canned in aluminum. But a lot of, I think, companies are catching on to this and they're, you know, you're starting to be able to get more than just pickles in glass, but like other types of I get my tomatoes. Yeah. I get my jarred tomatoes. Tomatoes and glass. Like diced tomatoes. Yeah. So. And they're not that much more expensive, to be honest. It could be like 50 cents to maybe a dollar, but... I think if we start going back to using more glass like we used to and less plastic, then uh, companies will start responding the way that you used to, you know, you used to bring your Coke bottles back yes. and have it recycled. Same thing with, with like can, um, yes. cans and jars and stuff. I think that kind of thing will just become second nature be again. Because that's how it used to be. Yeah. So I don't see why we can't go back to that. And they still do it in other countries. Yeah. And, you know, paper paper bags. Are, I've seen some pretty cool... Uh, ideas for uh, paper replay like bamboo bags and I just saw like one that. and I don't know how true this is but it was um, a bag that they put it in water and they stirred it and it yes, completely dissolved I and I was like is this magic is this real <laughs> I think it's made from sugar or oh. sugars or something but I saw that there's a grocery store in some Sweden. Western European yeah. country. And they've got it together, but it's all any everything's unpackaged, and the yeah. stuff that has to be packaged, or like you know the salad to go salads and things like that, they're packaged in that stuff that just dissolves, and it's like oh, nothing. that's incredible. So it does exist. It does exist. It's oh, true. I okay. saw it. Well, let's just let's find out who makes it. it does and let's exist. get it. <laughs> I know. So um, let's see. One thing we kind of skimmed over a little bit is, and that I really want to talk to you about is the some of these issues with um chemical harmful chemicals in products that women use and how it's contributing to early puberty yeah and that's actually pretty interesting because it's not just women we're even thinking like you know you have a child yeah well i mean 
baby bath and bubble bath and the lotions and um, baby powder and you know even even just like personal care products from the from the very first time you take a they take a bath or you you bathe them um, these harmful ingredients are in them mm-hmm. and so as the as girls grow up or as boys grow up you know you use more product because you you know deodorant and you know um, just and as they dabble into cosmetics and you know other things um, what has recently been kind of at the forefront is um, endocrine health and how our beauty products affect our and bring on early puberty yeah and um, and you know like I said I didn't know when I was nine that early puberty actually increases your risk for breast cancer and so it is relevant. And, you know, back then I didn't know, I had no idea. Okay, I started my period earlier. Okay, I'm, I'm a real go-getter. I'm, I'm like ahead of all my friends, you know. Like I'm, I'm a trendsetter. <laughs> but no, that was nothing, you know. And, and actually I was very, very embarrassed. But, um, you know, I had no idea that by starting my period early I had a higher risk for Yeah, do you business. know the numbers on that? Like what, uh, I guess, you know, obviously puberty used to be more happening around to like 12 to 14 so the average um the study that was done showed that the um let me see it was i believe it was 10 years in three uh 10.3 years old they began menstruating mm-hmm. and that's 10 years old and so before i mean it used to be 14 yeah i know um, i remember when when uh even when i was Growing up, and they made us watch that completely embarrassing movie that, uh, you know, they're talking about this stuff happening for most people. Obviously, some people happens early, but for most people, around 14. Um, you know. Yeah. And even at that time, we were starting a little early, though. Yeah. You know, I, was, and so, I think I was 11 or 12, so. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was I was a lone wolf for a really yeah. long time, so. <laughs> yeah. And um, we have a couple of people who... You know, it's they're like sixteen or whatever, and that's right. a whole. That's another. That's issue another that issue can be connected mm-hmm. to all that stuff. Yeah, and so there are certain ingredients um, in our everyday products that can disrupt or interfere with natural hormones in the body, like like estrogen. Mm-hmm. And so some of them are um, phthalates, and phthalates are usually not even on labels. So if you try to look for phthalates, it's spelled P H. T-H-A-L-A-T-E. And um, it's not even on the label because it's often used in fragrances. And fragrance is considered a loophole, um, a trade secret. Mm-hmm. So they, companies do not even have to tell you what is in the fragrance. And they like to technically make the scent last longer on you. So, you know, you, you want, you know, whether it's in your, not even talking personal care products, in your laundry detergent. You want your clothes to smell good, and so you buy the one that has longer-lasting scents, and that's artificial fragrance, and it probably most likely has phthalates. Um, And so, you know, not only are you getting it from what you're putting on your body, but also what you're washing your clothes in, and then you you sleep in your clothes, you sleep on your bed. You're in, most of us are in our clothes, I don't know, 23 hours a day? (laughs) And so, you know, that that exposure is something that you can... So whenever you're looking at, you know, your laundry detergent, you want to make sure that you don't have... You know, that it's fragrance-free. Right. Um, 
And if you want a scent, if you have to have a scent, then you can do an essential oil that... Right. And keep this in mind, too. If you're a person who gets a lot of headaches, migraines, things like that, those are often caused by exposure to artificial fragrances. I know personally that I used to get headaches almost all the time, it seemed like. I'd get a lot of headaches, and I couldn't really pinpoint what was going on there. I did start to figure out that when I was in a room with people who had a lot of perfume on, yeah. that I would get a really bad migraine. And then I started associating it with other times when there were strong smells. And it's that you know it's something that I'm reacting to in those in those fragrances. But if you're a person with that issue, that's very common. And a lot of times you don't realize that that's going on until you kind of detox yeah. your life of all those fragrances because they're everywhere. It's not just your your perfume or your shampoo but it's also like soap and then laundry detergent and the air um, the plug yeah air fresheners you know and the, so many... warm, the wax warmers and, oh, and gosh, it's just those like are awful. everyone wants you to come in and feel like warm and inviting and i totally get that right you want it to smell good but we also i now can't yeah, I, I can't, can't stand it the more that i've gotten away from fragrances yeah. in my life the less I like fragrances. Like when I mm-hmm. smell them, you can smell that they're artificial and you don't like them. Even certain essential oils, I just I don't I don't like it. It's just it's too much. I don't know why we overpower our senses with 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 these fragrances all the time. Uh, I don't yeah. think we're really I don't think we smell that smell. Bad. Yeah, well, we don't. <laughs> we don't. If you take a shower, yeah, as long good. as you're clean. But uh, one thing I want to talk about is estrogen because we you know we've been talking about these estrogen um, mimicking components in these different harmful ingredients but uh, another thing to be aware with with estrogen is that estrogen dominance is something that's becoming very very common in women of all ages Uh, it's something that I work uh, I deal with a lot in my practice a lot of women have you know menstrual difficulties heavy menstruation Mm -hmm. clotting during menstruation uh, issues post menopause with too much estrogen imbalance Mm-hmm. Um, and so one thing to be aware of as well is that not just these ingredients can cause that, but also your extra fat that you carry on your body. It's not just a storage place. We think of it usually as like, okay, I ate a little much, so I'm storing a little bit of fat and it's no big deal. Um, but fat actually produces estrogen. So mm-hmm. if you have a a substantial amount of excess in in what in, rel, in relation to what you need, uh, then you are f- kind of flooding your body with with estrogens, and you know combined with all these other factors that are coming into your life from your water to BPA and plastics and cans and all this other stuff, you're setting your system up for a real flood of estrogen that we really can't handle. And I th- I suspect that that's a lot of where um, the increased risk of estrogenic cancers comes from I mean I don't know that I don't know how much actual research has been done to specifically state that but you know you can't I don't know the truth is that like it takes so many years for things to just show up so it I think that we need to be proactive instead of being reactive it's like you know how long did it take lead to be out of our paint and out of our gasoline but yet it's still on our lipstick right and you know or it's still you know um, in in getting to us in other sort of asbestos in our products you know in our house and everything and yet it's still been in baby powder apparently yeah for 30 years for 30 years right and so 
you just want to make sure that you know I think the important thing is to be mindful of where we're spending our money right. that we're voting with our dollars every time we make a purchase right um, and so if we you know can can kind of with our purchasing decisions we are either we're empowering um, an organization or a company to continue doing things the way that they're doing. Right. Um, so, and you've seen that because in the at least in the nutrition world, people have begun to demand yes. options. You see a lot more gluten free options now. Mm-hmm. A lot more allergen free options. You see yeah. a lot of stuff marketed as organic, or and there's obviously issues with that. You know, in certain ways, when a big company gets a hold of a of a natural health product, it's you it's know, like they're getting always, all of them though. Yeah, they're all like, taken yeah. down. But but I also see that as a positive because I think it it's reflective of what of the, the market of what of the market mm-hmm. and what people are demanding. And that given time, uh, you know, these com- if we vote with our dollars, you know, these companies will realize, hey, like we want these healthy products, but we're not going to eat them if you mess around with them and you know make them like seem healthy but they're not anymore i just think like even a little bit is an improvement right it's there it's at it's at the regular it's at walmart like you can find grass-fed beef at walmart is it the best grass-fed beef is it grass-fed and grass-finished and all? oh yes you know maybe (laughs) not but it's still better than what we used to eat right like things are improving yeah. So I, I don't have as much of a problem. I, yeah, it kind of gets on my nerves when these big companies buy out these little cute brands that we fall in love with. Well, them. it does, and, and I think in a sense because if you kind of monitor it, like right. my one of my favorite um, deodorant brands was recently bought out, and they used to label all of their ingredients, but they got bought out, and a few months later they have fragrance listed. And so when you reach out to the company and say, hey, you know, you used to list all the ingredients, why aren't you listening your fragrance uh, com- composition anymore, mm-hmm. and they say, "Well, it's a natural fragrance." Mm-hmm. But what well, what does that mean? That mean? Right. And so, when they're not being honest, I think that's the part that just like really gets me. Like, yeah, we want to be able to make those decisions, right? Which is why it's important for for the people who who do pay attention to these things to raise awareness for the people who don't really have the time to pay attention to it. I know, we you know, like, that. hey, your deodorant brand—they switched and. They're not being honest, so let's find a different one, you know. Yeah. Well, eventually, eventually we'll get things going. But, um, no, I do see a lot of positive changes, I think. I think people are definitely starting to turn on to the idea of, hey, we've been living in a really unhealthy, unsustainable way. Let's try to make changes, and that's positive. That is. Yeah, it is good. So, uh all right, I think we've talked about everything we wanted to talk about. Do you have anything else that you... Yeah, I think that, you know, I think that for people who are maybe just finding out or just dabbling in this and they think, oh, wow, this is so much information. This is so overwhelming and I don't even know where to start. I think that the best thing that you can do is just start somewhere. Um, Pick one thing. Say, I'm going to switch my, you know, pots and pans over time. Or I am going to, you know... um, look at my ingredients and make sure that I'm not having parabens or phthalates or fragrance or um, triclosan or, you know, um, you know, reading the back of the labels of products that we're putting on our largest organ right. the same way that we're doing with our food. I think that that's really one powerful way um, to 
impact, uh, positively impact our exposure to toxic right. and this, ingredients. The skin is your largest organ, by the way, for those of you who, <laughs> who don't Yeah, know. and so, you know, just by making one change, you can get that. You can you can conquer right. one area and say, okay, I'm, I'm ready for the next thing. And then you'll look back like I have. Even in, you know, and I look back almost, oh my gosh, eight years because my daughter will be eight in January and it literally wasn't until she came out of my womb that I realized that hey all this stuff affects her um and so if you're pregnant if you're thinking about being pregnant please just um you know do some do some research and try to cut out what you can you know we do the best we can with the information that we have I mean it's really not about perfection right it is about progress and so one day you'll look back and say wow I've made a lot of positive changes in my life over the past year yeah um and so you know just start somewhere and don't get overwhelmed try not to get overwhelmed you know and just pick one thing at a time and if you want that one thing to be, um, you know, your personal care products, then I do firmly believe that Beauty Counter is the best option out there. I've done a lot of research on it, and that's what I exclusively use now. And I'm very happy with the quality of them. I don't say that just to just to get y'all interested in it. Like, I truly, that's all I use. And I probably spend way too much money on Beauty Counter, actually, <laughs> just myself. <laughs> like, and I, I do, I mean, I carry it, I carry the line for um, for clients and things. So I'll put a link, you know, in the description box if you're interested in looking at all that stuff. But, uh, you know, I probably buy... What are your top, ton. what are your top favorite products then? So... Okay, so... I use the foundation, um, the tint skin, the tint skin foundation. I like the little um, tinted moisturizer. Oh yeah, the do skin. That one's mm-hmm. nice too, which I'm kind of out, so I need to order more. And then uh, I love all the the lip. Um, what are they? Not the not the long wear lipstick, but the lip the, shears. The lip shears. O M G. I want every color, and I've got a, quite a collection. I want every color. Those are my favorite. Like, I can't, I cannot go anywhere without a lip shear. Like, I have them in my purse. I've got them in my car. Don't leave them in your car in the summer. They will melt. Um, I figured that out firsthand. I've already used up one. I used up the rose one. And those things last forever, they but that's how much forever. I use it. Yeah. I'm, like, constant. I have one for, like, two years. I'm like, okay, one. can I finish it? <laughs> can I? Yeah. Let me just... Weird every day. All the time. No, I, I love those. Because they're they like uh, buttery. And they're sh- I like that they're sheer too. Because I'm not a big... I don't wear a lot of makeup. I don't really like to be out there with my lips too much. I just prefer a more natural look. And those are really great. But they've got like a range of colors too. So right now I'm wearing Current. Which is like a nice fall, winter color. Yeah. And then I wear like a red one in the summer. Anyway, I've got a whole thing. I may cut some of this out because I am just talking too much about lipstick. (laughs) Yeah. I like, I like, uh, I really like their products a lot. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for having me. Had a good time talking with you. And I think we have given them a lot of good information. So if y'all want to follow Jennifer, 
She's a great source of information. Like I said, you can follow her on Instagram at Clean Beauty Jen, and I will leave a uh, I will leave that in the description box below. If you are interested in having me answer questions on the podcast, please send me an email at amberadaypodcast at gmail.com. And I think that's it. All right. Thank you. So thank you, Jennifer, for being here. This was fun. And we will talk to y'all later. Bye-bye. Bye. If you learned something today or you enjoyed today's episode or both, I'd love it if you would leave me an iTunes review and share this with a friend. If this brought up a question for you that you would like to hear me answer, there is a Google form that you can use to ask me any question you want, and I might answer it here on the podcast. I do it all the time, and I would love to hear from you. Thanks so much for listening. See you next time.